This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Hey everybody, it's good old JR Jim Ross, the voice of AEW Wrestling. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. TCO, the French-Canadian Frankenstein. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, WWE Backlash 2020 is in the books, and uh, I have to inform you that the greatest wrestling match ever is over. It's all downhill from here, guys. Edge and Randy Orton in the main event, the the so-called greatest wrestling match ever. It's in the books. We're here to talk about it. It's Top Rope Nation, episode 150. This is Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com here with Justin Joint. Kyle Ross, we're going to just break it all down for you. Give us or give you our quick reactions as to what we saw here on Sunday night. And as we often do, uh, we're just going to kind of start off by throwing around the horn and and giving the show a grade, the, the old A through F. What did we think of WWE Backlash? Now, Justin Joint across town from me here in Iowa, you told me right before we went on the air that, uh, you were taking this opportunity to pour yourself a glass of the greatest scotch ever. So I also have to ask you what's in the glass and then give me your grade on this show. Uh, well, um, I was just kind of making a joke referring to the greatest match ever. It's actually a, a disappointing scotch that I'm drinking, but <laughs> it, it was expen- it was expensive. Um, and I have poured myself a very generous amount of it. So, uh, this should get interesting by the end of the podcast. So you're saying it has no chance of living up to the hype, but it could still be good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Very on brand for this program tonight. So full dis- uh, disclosure uh, to anybody listening, uh, me and my wife decided to uh, start potty training our, our little one this weekend. And... If any parents out there know that sometimes the kid goes through a mom phase and sometimes a dad phase, well, not only were we potty training this weekend, but uh, he was all about dad tonight. So I really didn't get into this show until the handicap world championship match. Um, And frankly, after spending all weekend uh, just staring at my son's genitals, I (laughs) very much enjoyed what I saw of Backlash. So I, I will give what I saw. A B plus. Oh, okay. Very nice. Yeah. We've all been there. All of us dads on this show, potty training, Godspeed, Justin Joint. <laughs> it's a it's a messy situation to say the least. Uh Kyle Ross, give it a grade. What what, what did you think of what you saw tonight? B B minus that area. Totally saved by the last two uh matches proper. Um the vignette or whatever that was that aired in between McIntyre, Lashley, and Edge Orton, which we'll get to. Um, I don't count that as a match. I'm really not sure what it was. Didn't hate it as much as some people seem to. But, um, yeah, I think the two big matches on the show delivered in a major way. And because of that, um, it was a better-than-average show, despite the fact that it was looking really dire until Justin Joint um, pushed play on the award-winning WWE Network, I guess. (laughs) 
I I would also I was thinking B for me as well. Uh, if we look back at the post shows that we've done recently, I would say better than in your house takeover or uh, yeah NXT takeover in your house. Yeah, not as good as AEW Double or Nothing. I I would kind of have it also like right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I enjoyed the show for what it was, and uh, of course, as we're going to get to here in just a minute, I didn't think the main event lived up to the tagline, but I thought it was a pretty good match. Uh, so, yeah, yeah go ahead. I don't think anyone thought it could have. I mean, that's a ridiculous <laughs> thing to do, but we'll yeah. talk about that in yeah. a moment. I'll say this. The fact we're throwing around bees here, that's like a major win if I'm sitting in Stamford, Connecticut right now. Because, again, halfway through this show, I mean, this thing was looked like it was headed for a D grade. Mm. I wouldn't go that far. I actually, I actually would disagree with that. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Well, I wouldn't say would. D. Yeah, no. I'm, I was a little higher on the early part of the card than you were, I think. We're, we were tweeting back and forth. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we will get to all of that. Guys, if you've never tuned in to Top Rope Nation before... Thank you for your support. If it's the first the time or the, or the 150th time you've tuned in. Yeah. Where have you been? If this is the first time, come on back. Hit that subscribe button wherever you get in podcasts, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podbean, TopRopeNation.com. You can find us pretty much everywhere. You can also find us on social media at Top Rope Nation on Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. We're also on Facebook. And, of course, we're brought to you by the Blue Wire podcasting network check out bluewirepods.com for all of your podcasting needs they have shows on every major sport they have shows on entertainment anything you're looking for they've got the show for you check out the whole lineup bluewirepods.com or just search blue wire on your podcasting your favorite podcasting platform and if you want to become a supporter of the show on Patreon and get exclusive bonus content with what we do and a free gift in the mail. Check out patreon.com slash top rope nation. So with that said, guys, I think we'll just start off with the main event and kind of kind of work backwards. I think anyone tuning in right away, they're gonna want to know the takes on the greatest wrestling match ever. So this thing went 44 minutes and 45 seconds. Long, long match. I was covering the match on comicbook.com and there was tons of stuff to write about during this match, like the little tributes they did and stuff. Uh, you know, the fact that there was blood, the fact that Randy Orton threw out an F-bomb, which was completely audible on the, the broadcast. Fact that the, PC, the fact that the PC crowd was so loud. I couldn't believe that. Oh, yeah, the, the <laughs> I mean, added the audience. They were making, it, sound, it sounded like 15,000 people were in the arena. <laughs> it, it really took me aback. What a job they did. <laughs> Yeah, before the match started, uh, Byron Saxton said that they were going to be amplifying audio and bringing you unique camera angles. Now, they weren't actually amplifying audio. They were bringing in an alternate source, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was it was different, uh, maybe even actually distracting. I, I, I'm not sure. We'll talk about that, but... It was a good match. Like I said, um, multiple finishers throughout. They brought in finishers from all kinds of legends throughout the match. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was what it was. I loved I loved the uh, the tribute to Howard Finkel at the beginning. I thought that was really cool, how they uh, dimmed the lights. They had the spotlights on the old Madison Square Garden microphone rig in the middle of the in the middle of the ring and they played Howard Finkel's voice to introduce the two guys and they had Charles Robinson dressed up in the old WWE referees outfit, you know, the uh long sleeve button up with the bow tie. I thought that was a cool touch. And so it started off, you know, I, I was kind of jacked getting ready to watch this. Justin, what did you think about the match itself? So for one I liked it. Um it it, it all goes back just to the absolute gall and absurdity of promoting it as the greatest wrestling match ever during a pandemic when you're not going to have a crowd. I mean, I'm sorry, but if, if you take rock and Hogan from WrestleMania eight and you just surround them with a couple dozen people, um, people don't look at that match the same way. So that is just absurd. So automatically you're, you know, you're, you're building it up too much, but you know, having said that, if all they, maybe you cut five to 10 minutes of it, you do away with all the cinematic stuff, you know, still pre-recorded. That's fine. Uh, 
but the crowd noise was distracting. The weird underneath camera shots were distracting. I mean, that that immediately takes me out of the match where it's like, wait, why would have there been a camera underneath, you know, this headlock? That, that's really weird. Um, it was I thought it was kind of weird how you could probably tell they they took a time out to clean Orton up after, you know, the spot with the blood, mm-hmm. which that made me wonder. It's like, did Orton just do that? And somebody in the back was like, no, oh, no, no, no. We got to clean that up. Um, but yeah, if they had just kind of scrapped all that stuff and just treated it as a normal match, promoted it as a normal match, uh, it actually would have been phenomenal. And, uh, you know, and having said that I did really enjoy it. I, I thought the, the first five to 10 minutes of it was great with, uh, Edge seeming a little out of it, you know, being out for nine years. Uh, and then the the last 10 minutes were tremendous. Yeah, I would pretty much echo what you said, especially about the cinematic stuff. I thought it was kind of distracting. We, we've, we've kind of ragged on WWE's cinematic style in matches proper, at least, you know, like when it comes to what they did with Champa and, and Gargano. And the, this was this was better than that but still distracting By a lot yeah <laughs> it, it was... I, mean, I mean come on now let's be fair I mean, this like we can't compare I mean, this was at least a good bet i mean yeah there were some elements that... I, I mean i'm talking about the camera cuts the camera oh, cuts. okay yeah. okay yeah, yeah 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 for sure i mean that, that that's a cut an issue in every match though these come these camera yeah. cuts these I mean, days i, I mean champa gargano they just went cut 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 like it was all over the place it was insane this was better but st- it still was a little distracting so, I mean, like I mentioned, they tried to like kind of pay homage to different wrestlers throughout the match. You know, like we had a rock bottom, there was an unprettier, there was a pedigree, of course. Angle slam. The angle slam, a cross face. Uh, Edge went for the sharpshooter, but didn't get it on. We had the three amigos. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Like they definitely, I mean, let's be real. Both these guys knew they weren't going to have the greatest wrestling match of all time going in. But. They did try to present something special, and for that, I give them credit. I did like, like I said, what they did with Howard Finkel and the referee and all that. They did make it feel different from your typical match on this show. Uh, Kyle, let's hear. What do you got? Well, it wasn't the greatest match ever, but it certainly was great, in my opinion. Uh, Justin touched on something that the most absurd part of the match was how it was promoted, being the greatest match ever coming in. I thought... That trumped the piped-in crowd noise, which is not new in wrestling. This was just the most blatant usage of it. Mm. I mean, it was like, you know, I think most wrestling fans can tell in a normal circumstance when there is a live crowd, like the old taped Smackdowns, right? I think you could tell when there was piped-in noise. But maybe not everyone did. This was very obvious. Like, I noticed it. I was like, wait a minute. So to me, I know there was a lot of complaints about that on Twitter, but honestly, it was a secondary issue to me just to how it was promoted as the greatest match ever. If you don't promote it as that and you just let these guys do what they did, who knows uh, if the conversation's different right now. Um, but they did have a great match, uh, much better than WrestleMania was. The, the times you gave, I think that's about five minutes longer when they got WrestleMania. This was just that so significantly better to that Mania match. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was like bordering on negative stars. It was just painful by the end. This was, it was really great. It might have been the best WWE match of the COVID era, quite frankly. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um, I kind of feel bad now uh, being a little bit more negative to it um, because it is, it's just all about the distractions and just not being able to wrap my head around the promotion of it. Like, I, I just want to be in that meeting where they decided that was a good idea. Like, how that could have added anything to the match. Okay, Justin, I think you bring up a good point because it's something I'm going to hit on on basically every match. So when I'm critical of this show, it's going to be centering around two things. One, I think the build for this show Creative put almost every single match on this card behind the eight ball. Yeah. In my notes, which I got, which I shared with you guys, and you can vouch this, I had a page of notes before the show started complaining about the build of it. That's not a good sign 
for your weekly World Wrestling Federation television, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and number two, and while it was incredibly impressive that Edge was able to have this kind of match after nine and a half years out of the game, with the exception of WrestleMania, a lot of guys were at their peak, or at least near their peak, in this promotion 10 or more years ago. I think that's something that we still need to talk about. Edge and Orton deserve credit, but, like, you know, we had stuff like with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus on the same card. There was a lot of, like, 2010 vibe on this show. And even, yeah. like, an act like Miz and Morrison. I mean, we'll go through these as, as we go on. But, but those are my two criticisms coming into this show. Um, these guys clearly beat my expectations. I mean, Meltzer had reported that this was good. We should be noted it was taped. And, oh, by the way, Edge got hurt, apparently, in the match. Torres tricep. I couldn't tell that. I wouldn't have known if that hadn't been reported ahead of time. Uh, that makes his performance even more impressive, in my opinion. But I think ultimately the narrative on this, and Justin did touch on it, is calling this the greatest match ever. Just put these two behind the eight ball. They did have some fun with it on Twitter this week. Um, But they had a great match. And I, I think at a time when WWE didn't have anything else, using these guys to main event was the right call on a show like Backlash. Yeah. Because there was nothing else, quite frankly, that was main event worthy. Yeah. 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 This right is now. I'd say it's pretty easy to say this is going to be the most memorable thing that they've done during the pandemic so far. And I think it's a lesson for the future for WWE, right? Like we've brought this up before. I feel on the show when you bring these legends back, I think it's so much more productive to put them in the main event of a show like this than, you know, fifth match from the top at WrestleMania. I know why they do WrestleMania, but to me, I think it actually helps the product more when, you know, you're in the dog days of summer, you got nothing big for backlash. Hey, let's use Edge. Let's bring Edge back. And, you know, it's a lot better than when he just gets lost in the shuffle at WrestleMania. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this. Where do you think Randy Orton goes from here? What do you see in, in his uh, in his summer ahead? What do you think his next feud is? Any ideas? Is I don't know he, if you really do anything with him. Maybe he just takes some time off until Edge can come back. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole key because there's obviously going to be a rubber match. Yeah. And do you want to do something with Orton that would potentially cool him off for said rubber match? See, what I was seeing is Edge is going to be out like four to six months from this injury. I'd seen that multiple places. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's accurate or not. Maybe that's been updated. That was that was the first report I saw, at least. And a torn tricep is no joke. Yeah. So my thought was you put Randy Orton into the title picture and have him go after Drew McIntyre, which I would be See, on board I, with that. I thought of that, too, because he certainly has a lot of momentum right now coming off this show. Yeah. Uh, love the punt finish, by the way. Uh, Justin mentioned some of the work at the beginning. My favorite part was when he tripped Edge going over top. You never see that. And it's something so simple, yet great. Mm-hmm. When you, they, you know, Edge was running the ropes, Orton drops down, and just tripped him. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah that was a great that. spot. A great spot. Um, to your point about Orton getting the title picture, though, Ryan, I think the thing is, how do you do it and keep Orton like really over for the inevitable Edge match. I mean, I guess you could have Orton challenge McIntyre, and that's when Edge comes back, and he costs Orton the match. Mm-hmm. That's that, probably what you do, you know. And considering the time frame for when Edge is going to come back, that means you need you know what two to three months of filler before you can even get him to Drew. Yeah, which is an issue. I I think you take it slow. I mean, because obviously they're doing. Drew and Lashley again at Extreme Rules. I, I think the way that was booked, uh, you, you're going to do another match there. So SummerSlam would be the earliest they could do it, Drew and Orton. And I don't really, and what's interesting is after Lashley, I don't know what they have planned for Drew. Yeah. So you could see Orton sliding into that spot. 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would I wouldn't mind seeing Randy Orton Edge in a rematch actually being for the WWE Championship down the line. If we're talking four to six months, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing Orton get a title run again at this point in his career. Got the. All right, here's the six million dollar question. Or should I say the $50 million question? Would that be more appropriate based on uh, some of the WWE financials and what we know about their relationship with Saudi Arabia? (laughs) Do we think this was called the greatest match ever because that was supposed to be the tagline and this was supposed to take place in Saudi Arabia? You know, I've I've seen SummerSlam rumored too that this was going to be a SummerSlam match and that they pushed it up because of a lack of star power with so many people out right now. You know, starting at sure. the top with Roman Reigns, but I could see that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it falls in line with some of those taglines that are like ridiculously over the top. Remember like greatest Royal Rumble ever? Mm. And, you know, what was the show that was as big or bigger than WrestleMania? Remember that? <laughs> Yeah, was that the first one? Greatest Royal Rumble? I can't remember. Because that was pretty close to after the Mania that we all went to. Yeah, I think that was the first one, the Greatest Royal Rumble ever. Mm -hmm. Greatest Royal Rumble ever, Crown Jewel. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And then whatever that one that's was as big or as big as WrestleMania, then the one they didn't name, I think. (laughs) Even if that is the case, I mean, they couldn't have spent any money on that idea of promoting it that way that they couldn't have been like, you know, probably not a good idea to use this now in front of no crowd. Yeah. The preposterousness of it all didn't really sink in. I mean, it was on the weekly television when they would say, you're like, come on, man. Like, you know, that's not true. Um, And again, these guys had a great match and it's so unfair to them. Yeah. But like Tom Phillips, I think, was the one who said it like right as they kicked to the introductions, tough flips like get ready for the greatest wrestling match ever. And I'm like, come on, man, <laughs> that's cheesier. Now uh, on a positive note, I think we should put over the absolutely tremendous job. Samoa Joe did during this match. I thought it was the best work by an individual commentator on WWE television in a long time. I couldn't remember the last time uh, a WWE commentator, um, did such good work in an individual match. I mean, Samoa Joe has carved out the next 20 to 30 years of his life if he wants it. He's been spectacular on announcing. You know, he's had the bad luck with the injuries, but he's really coming yeah. to his own as a as a broadcaster. So, yeah, I, I would agree. I think he's he's got a bright, bright future ahead of him. You know, he's going to be cleared. He's going to have the opportunity to come back and wrestle. And, you know, from what I've heard, he's going to continue to announce, but like be drawn into the ring kind of thing because they want him announcing. He's so good, and you saw you saw why here. Yeah, I I would agree with that, Kyle. I feel we've kind of buried the lead a little bit, like this crowd noise thing. I mean, are we in agreement that it's like not? Yeah, like the biggest issue with the match. I mean, where do we sit on that? Because you know, I brought it up earlier. It's not new to wrestling. Mm. It was just the most blatant use of it. I mean, you could just like, you know, again, there's like 50 people in the crowd and it sounded like 15,000. Yeah, to me, it was just especially uh, distracting in this case when it's obvious. I mean, clearly obvious that it's being piped in. You guys remember there was people talking, though, like when they were doing these shows with nobody out there and with the empty chairs and everything, a lot of people were clamoring for them to pump in crowd noise you know now you actually have bodies out there and and they're doing it didn't dave Shear or mike johnson like say that maybe they should try this and i think they were mocked universally i mean i'm usually not someone who's gonna you know stick up for dave Shear, but uh, yeah yeah maybe he's something they just they just haven't been able to replicate what AEW does. And the, the WWE crowds with with their NXT people out there and the performance center talent and everything, it's just not it doesn't come across natural at all. Like when they do those this is awesome chants, freaking shoot me. It's awful. It's so bad. You that know? wasn't near as bad as the fight forever. That's that's terrible too. It's just what? it all it all comes across like so contrived and, and just really bad. I'm glad they have people out there. It is better than it being completely empty, but like 
I don't know. Something with the way AEW does it, the way they mic the crowd, and just the way they react, it just comes across a lot more natural. And so it feels more authentic and yeah. to the individuals cheering. They'll show somebody like they'll do something kind of in character. Right. Right. Mm. Whereas these actually people, it, they're just kind of like doing an impression of a wrestling crowd. Yeah. And I think it kind of exposes how shitty those chants are. And I've been saying it for years <laughs> on this have. show. All these chants stink. <laughs> they're inauthentic. They were great when they first happened, but they stink now. Go back to 2016. Care. You'll hear Kyle saying PC the same thing. Era, or, you know, Pete from Tacoma. Those chants stink. Fight forever. <laughs> this is awesome. All right. Yeah, so three star level. This for the record, this was like well above four. This was above four stars. I agree. Actually, I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, man, it was good. I mean, they've had two really good matches now, Aaron, in the last forty eight hours. Because we're not going to talk about it at length, but that Daniel Bryan AJ Styles match on SmackDown was also really good. Four plus stars. These those it's two matches fun. are heads and shoulders above everything else they've done during the pandemic. So I think that like the Brian Gulak match is the only one that I could think of that would be on par. Yeah, it was good too. Elimination chamber, something like that. Mm -hmm. It was much shorter, but also very good. Uh, I have a question. One last question. for this. Name me a better non gimmick. I know the greatest match ever is a gimmick, I guess, technically, but a, you know, a non-TLC, non-no-holds-barred, you know what I mean, match involving either Edge or Randy Orton than this one. I think it might have been both guys' best non-gimmick match ever. Mm, you mean, so, singles matches? You can't obviously can't include their tag team, like Edge's tag team career? Yes, singles match only. Mm, man, that's tough. Yeah, uh, you might be right on. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, not sure I can think of one. I mean, when you think Randy Orton, you think the Foley match. Mm-hmm. You think some of the stuff with Christian, but I think those were, you know, the, that was like a no DQ match, the one everyone lauds. Yeah, yeah. it was a no DQ match with uh, Guerrero too. That was really good, if I remember. At some point, like early two thousands. I suppose if with, sorry, go ahead. Did you say Edge, Ryan? Yeah, Edge and Guerrero had a that good match. Like a match. Yeah, it was a um, like no DQ match. Like yeah, all of, yeah, all of O two. Yeah, that that was really good. But yeah, that was that was a no DQ match where I think they even busted out ladders, if I remember. And then I you suppose. know Edge is famous for ladder matches. Mm-hmm. I suppose with Edge, you go with uh, the Rey Mysterio tag match against Benoit and Angle. Yeah, like as far as like what his best, but yeah, but like as a single, I'm not yeah. sure he's had a better straight up wrestling singles match. No, a lot of his a lot of his best matches have certainly been gimmick matches. So yeah, I mean, I would have to really Here sit I, down and think about it. Who knows? Maybe I am missing something. I don't know. So all right, well, we are going to get to the rest of this card, but before we do, let's throw a shout out to our partners over at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. So, Kyle and Justin, as we work our way backwards here, uh, we've already kind of mentioned it in this last segment, but the, the Drew McIntyre-Bobby Lashley match, McIntyre retained. He hit... Oh, uh, are yeah. we not going to talk about the Street Profits v. Viking Raiders, whatever that was? <sighs> was that between these matches? I couldn't even remember yes. exactly where that happened. Yes. Yeah, 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 it was. That was pretty... I mean, that was pretty divisive <laughs> from yeah. what I was seeing on Twitter. I thought it was pretty entertaining. There was certainly some racial overtones, which uh, was certainly kind of <laughs> blind during this moment in time here in in the world, and certainly in the United States with the ninjas and all of that. But uh, 
I mean, I mean, it was the cinematic stuff, you know, where you can see what's going on in the Viking Raiders' heads and all that. I mean, it was, it was goofy, but I mean, I, I, I'm not. I think I was more positive on it. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty funny. Justin, what did you think about it? I had a blast. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, oh my gosh. I, I mean, this is also coming from uh, potty trained tinted glasses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. I have literally done nothing this effing weekend except watch my kid pee. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, coming I'm, I'm into- sorry you missed Jeff Hardy, Seamus. <laughs> I did miss that. Yes. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot less pee on Mia in the the last week than Seamus did. <laughs> Kyle, not a fan? I actually didn't mind this either. I was like stunned at some of the vitriol. I was reading on Twitter, people were like, worst thing ever. I'm like, dude, I've seen some bad shit in wrestling. Okay. <laughs> and this it's kind of goofy. Um, I laughed when it started because I immediately realized it was a non-match. I'm like, my God, they added this, what, the day of? And I'm like, did they screw up the timing of the show? <laughs> and it's going to get cut? Yeah. But they went full-on goofball mode. Um, honestly, this was more memorable than any straight tag team match between them would have been. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And the highlight, unequivocally for me, is for those who didn't know, that very tall ninja was Jordan Omagbehind, mm-hmm. a guy that we talked about once on this show before, uh, the former basketball player, uh, seven foot three legit, that they're hiding down in developmental. Um, my God, do I want this man to come to the main roster when he's ready? University of South Florida. Yeah, yeah. just, I, I just, wouldn't it be great if he just like, no sold like an Undertaker punch, chopped him and <laughs> One, two, three. That's what I want to see. Yeah, I, I thought that's who that was too when I saw him. Figuring I, I was, I couldn't think of anyone else that was that tall down there. But, I, I uh, didn't know it. Like all these people were tweeting. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder what happened to him because, like, I was wondering. You know, I know he'd worked the Florida loop a little bit, and I was always like, oh fuck, once Vince sees this guy, he's gonna rush him up, and he's not ready. Hmm. So I'm glad they've been stashing him away. Yeah. Because I'm sure he wasn't even close to being ready. So yeah, uh, that's who that was. Uh, yeah, when tis, that that Tazawa thing, I was like, ugh. <laughs> the guy retweeted some. Who was it? Uh, God, what was the tweet? Give me a second here. Just you know, you can do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll also. just say again that it was it was very entertaining. I think the Street Profits are awesome, and it showcased just how much charisma and just like natural entertainment ability these guys have. Uh, so I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was, and I didn't have Somebody did retweet, and I like this. It was Trevor Dame. I'll give credit. This <laughs> segment is filled with so many offensive Asian stereotypes that Mickey Rooney would be getting oh, a Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Breakfast at Tiffany's, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. this was, I mean, I don't know. It was, like, okay. Um, like I said, it's more memorable than any straight-up tag match would have been. And let's be honest. This was not a well-built tag title program. By any stretch of the imagination, you had all those silly vignettes they've been doing for weeks that Meltzer keeps harping on ratings losers. And Viking Raiders, who were the alleged number one contenders, like lose clean, like Lashley and MVP Mm. on that horrible Monday Night Raw we were uh, treated to last week. So, um, quite frankly, I wasn't looking forward to this tag title match at all. Yeah. So... (laughs) You know, it started goofy, but you know, they went they went all out, and it was, I guess, okay. Yeah. I mean, you you I would rather them try and fail than just go the safe route. You know, we we say that about WWE all the time. Ah, eh, they just take the like the low risk approach, and there's not much reward. Mm. It, look, there's no crowd, man. Try different stuff. If it effing blows, it effing blows. But, you know, this was not the worst thing in the history of pro wrestling. Far from it. Yeah. So, I mean, the rest of the card I thought was kind of up and down. But overall, I I pretty much enjoyed the show. I thought, so Drew and Bobby was a better match than I was anticipating. I would love to see Vince McMahon's face if someone approached him backstage and told him, you know that this was like a main event title program for TNA at one point in time? Because I... (laughs) 
<laughs> I bet he has no idea. But no these these two guys had a good match. Uh, you know, we had the involvement at the end with Lana, all the confusion she cost Bobby Lashley the match. McIntyre retained. I don't think anyone thought Bobby Lashley was going to win the title here. I mean, we were talking about this on our Slack uh, chat over on comicbook.com, and I said, you know what, guys? There's no way Vince McMahon is going to put the WWE title on a guy with no eyebrows. Drew McIntyre is retaining, 100%. <laughs> I was surprised. There was some support, like significant support on my timeline for Lashley going over here. So that's kind of why – that was what kind of led me to the stuff about Orton because some of my – Fellow staff members over on Comic Book were saying, like, oh, I'm over the Drew McIntyre title reign. And I'm thinking, I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head how bad this sucks for Drew McIntyre because he hasn't had like a, you know, a real title reign because none of this has happened in front of fans, which sucks because the last time he was in front of fans for like a big, big moment, like people ate up that Royal Rumble victory yes. he had. And I think the Mania win would have been huge for him. Like the crowd would have went nuts. He has really been screwed over by what's been happening with the pandemic. And I didn't want to see Lashley win here, but I i mean, I could see Randy Orton if, if these shows continue without a crowd or with even like one third full crowds if they branch out late summer. I could see Randy Orton getting the title and then building Drew back up to, to win it back in front of a bigger crowd if, if possible. But uh, yeah, I, I did see that same thing, Kyle, and I was kind of surprised when I was seeing that. But I never had any question that Drew McIntyre would retain here. What about you, Justin? Uh, no, I, I, I loved the match. Um, I mean, I think that's by far Bobby Lashley's best match since coming back into uh, the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the ending was kind of weird, uh, but I'm, I'm glad they protected at after this match. I'm glad the way they kind of protected Lashley. So this feud can continue. I was confused by what Lana was yelling at the ref saying you lied or something. Well, she was bad. Like I thought like, I, I don't know what they told her to do, but I can't imagine it was what she did. Like, I thought it was just, like, awful, like, on her. I mean, we rightly kill the creative of this company a lot. But, like, that was poor execution by the performer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just complete lack of direction if they just... I, you think they would have told her to do something that made any kind of sense, because that was really bad. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it almost felt like she was just going through the motions, like, okay, they told me to go out and interfere and factor into the finish, so I'm just going to, like, be like, you lied, and I'm out here, and I'm causing an obvious distraction, and we all know what's going on. Like, it, you know, it felt like she should just broke down the fourth wall and got it over with. I, I, I just thought it was as abysmal performance as maybe any performer turned in on this show. I mean, I hate to be harsh, but it sucked, man. Um, this match was really, really good. Bad finish, though. I, I'm with Justin. It protected Lashley, and it at least did tell a story, right? They're obviously um, going with this, you know, MVP driving a wedge between Lashley and Lana. I think they need to kick Lana off this act. Yes. I don't know how they do it, but I think that needs to be the story. Because MVP's done a really good job. He's great. I Yeah, I was going to say that. I really like him in this role. He's been He's been very, very good. So yeah, they got to get they got to get rid of Lana with this. Yeah, just I, it, it's funny. So people talk about, ah, I'm sick of this McIntyre push. That's the kind of stuff that WWE kills its fans for. Oh, they have such short attention spans. I, I don't think it's McIntyre's fault. I'm with you, Ryan, kind of what you said. The issue here with Lashley coming in was he was given what my buddy Rick Morris always used to call a microwave push. Where it's like, OK, we need a contender this month. So all of a sudden, hey, you, you're a contender (laughs) out of the blue, right? (laughs) I mean, this MVP thing is truly remarkable because it's kind of rehabbing what was a rehab. If you remember the the, uh, Lashley being put with Lana was a rehab of his character. He was kind of dead in the water, right? Yeah. Well, that thing died on the vine in no time at all. And so, like... They're they're kind of like rehabbing him again. You know, Meltzer, I think, of the Observer called Lashley, quote, challenger of the month. That's what it did feel like to me. But these two had a great match. I'm totally cool with them having another one at Extreme Rules. You referenced the stuff they did in Impact, Ryan. Those matches were kind of under Extreme Rules. 
if I remember. I think the one was like knockout or tap out. Um, and, and they were good. They were really good matches. So I, I thought these two had potential, and I think in an extreme rules environment, they can really knock it out of the park um, despite, you know, maybe some of the shortcomings of the booking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll see how they followed up, but I, I'm with you. I think this is for sure. We're going to get something at Extreme Rules. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, the the other big title match, the universal title match, Braun Strowman, not into this title reign with him whatsoever. We know it came about, you know, abruptly because of what happened with Roman and everything, but uh, I think I tweeted out before the match, somewhere Justin Joyne is salivating with the thought that maybe, just maybe, we could get another Miz title reign because... For those of you who have been listening to this show for a long time, Justin has often talked about how the Miz's title reign back in uh, the early 2010s is what kind of brought him back into pro wrestling. But no such luck tonight, Justin. Uh, Braun Strowman retained, and they they teased some heat between the Miz and John Morrison when Morrison looked like he could maybe have a a near fall or a pinfall on, on Strowman, but Miz pulled him off Strowman, and they... They teased that something was going down between the two teammates, but then Miz actually put Morrison back on Strowman and uh, let him go for the pinfall and look conflicted. But in the end, of course, Strowman got the victory. Um, you know, it wasn't great. It was what it was. I don't think anyone had high expectations going into this match, but uh, kept the title on Braun Strowman. Hopefully we don't get any more of those lame television segments with the pranks of J- of the Miz and John Morrison backstage. I thought those were just atrocious on SmackDown, personally. I thought they were so bad. Uh, Kyle, did you like them? No, they weren't <laughs> okay. good. Thank God. <laughs> uh, look, here's the thing, and it kind of goes back to what I was just saying with Lashley. Right? When you have this brand split, not only does it require you having two separate strong champions, you also need to have separate strong challengers. And I think that was a real problem on this show, particularly in this match. Miz and Morrison? <laughs> I mean, God bless them. They, if you show me a comp of their work from like 2009, I'd probably be like, yeah, this was really good. But that was 2009. This is, again, another act that was at its peak like a decade ago. I wasn't really clamoring for these two to be put back together in the year 2020. Mm -hmm. I think them being in this spot kind of exposes the dearth of challengers right now. And I just hate that trope of an established tag team losing to an established single star. I know the goal is, oh, you want to make Braun look like this unstoppable monster. But if you have any desire to push a team in the future, they should never lose to one guy. Ever. Yeah. It just makes them look bad. That's all this scenario ever does. It just makes the tag team look bad and tag team wrestling in general look bad. I know Bray Wyatt is out taking some time off to the baby, have a baby. That's off to you, Bray. Congratulations. But there had to be a better option than Miz and Morris, didn't there? <laughs> hey, hey. Ho, ho. <laughs> this scotch is going down, boys. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest scotch ever, baby. Great, hey, it's... It, it just took 40 minutes, 44 minutes to warm up, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, this was, uh, I think, I think we're, we're about the, at the end of the Ms. John Morrison team because they teased it. Uh, we're going to be getting something between them and then hopefully we can get the Miz back on his a game because yeah, this tag team situation has been not doing him any favors. Would you well, concur, this... Justin? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and yeah, as far I... as like him getting the title, uh, they're going to have to do some rehabbing because that ship kind of sailed after the Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon feud. That was the time frame to put it back on him. Hmm. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, he's been kind of like downhill ever since losing to Shane at WrestleMania. I mean, this just feels like, I don't know, teaming with John Morrison. I just feel like the Miz is kind of better than that, quite frankly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when John Morrison came back, I was hoping, I was hoping that teaming stuff they did with him was like very very short term but it's been like the entire game since john morrison's been back so yeah and just I'm, point with the challengers thing lashley the out of the blue nature of that very mel there were some rumblings that that was supposed to be jinder mahal originally so i mean again yes. the brand split you have issues where you need two title matches and my god i mean the guys that they were supposed to work with are both out the champions, you know? 
Yeah, I, I would say with the gender stuff that was being rumored, uh, with a with the Drew McIntyre Jinder Mahal feud, you know, like you had uh, Jinder Mahal coming back briefly, and he was very complimentary of, of his former partner Drew McIntyre, and then that was eventually supposedly going to turn into a feud between the two. I would have been game for that. I, <laughs> you can go back and listen to the archives. I I was way higher on the Jinder Mahal title run than a lot of people were at the time. I think. Justin, me and you went to a WWE house show when Jinder Mahal was in the midst of that big push and really enjoyed ourselves when he wrestled Randy Orton at that show. Well, that's because we hated Randy Orton. (laughs) But, I mean, it would have been interesting, and I was kind of bummed when I saw that Jinder Mahal got injured. So, yeah, this was was a last-minute thing, but, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens when Jinder comes back. But uh, Jinder does not have the full Nelson, though. That's true. That is a very... (laughs) underappreciated move in the career or in the history of professional wrestling. I would concur. So uh, let's, hit, let's hit the rest of these really quick here. So we had uh Oscar and Nia Jax, Oscar defending uh, the finish, not the greatest finish. I don't really like a double count out finish typically on a pay-per-view, but I will say, I thought they had a pretty good match. Now, uh, you know, Nia Jax has been getting a lot of heat lately and, Probably rightfully so for hurting some people in the ring. But I will say Asuka is, I mean, you go back to their time in NXT, probably her greatest opponent. I think Asuka has always worked good matches with Nia. She uh, she plays that kind of like underdog role with the bigger Nia Jax very well in their matches, you know, using the submissions to try to weaken her uh, her opponent. And I thought this match was better than I was expecting. I I thought it, this is why Kyle earlier I was saying I was maybe a little bit higher on the show before those last couple matches than you were because I thought this was fairly decent. I didn't like the finish, but I liked the match itself. What do you think about that, Kyle? Yeah, I didn't hate this either, but the finish was very dreadful. Yes. Uh, and again, <laughs> this match was hurt significantly by the booking of Monday night. When Charlotte Flair was once again booked to be superior over a women's champion of a brand. I could go off a lot about that. I'm going to wait and see what happens Monday. And we could talk about this on our next show, I think. Because I think there's a lot to be said about Charlotte and the direction um, they're heading with her. I just think she should be the undisputed women's world champion, to be honest. If they're going to book her like they do. Because all the title matches come across as secondary to Charlotte Flair. And that was an issue coming in, but they did work really hard. The thing I liked is both Asuka and Nijax, it felt like they were constantly trying to win the match. Needless to say, that should always be the case in pro wrestling, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like people like trying to show off, do cool moves. Like, it just constantly felt like they were going for the win. I liked it a lot, and I was really um, kind of brought down by that finish. Yeah, lame finish, but better than expected match, I would say. Um Justin, I think this is around the time you were chasing your naked kid around the house. Do you have anything to add there? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was in the midst of a very good uh, dinosaur battle. It was it was pretty intense, but I think I came out on top. Some would say the greatest <laughs> dinosaur wrestling match ever. <laughs> what kind of dinosaur did you have, just for the listeners, so they can envision this? Uh, I I believe I had the Gigantosaurus. It's like a <laughs> Uh, a close cousin of Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, okay. Um, nice. And sometimes he'll give me the Triceratops and he calls it daddy for whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Are you growing horns or something? <laughs> I, I have no idea. This Glenmorenje Nectar de Or is fantastic, guys. Oh, I've man. really turned a corner on it. Nice. <laughs> you know, a match I didn't turn the corner on was Seamus Jeff Hardy. This is this is my least favorite match on the entire show. I felt going in that the storyline was just absolutely atrocious. I just I never like when they bring in real life difficulties that people have into the storylines. Now I know Jeff Hardy signed off on this and everything, but still. What happened on SmackDown with the piss jar and all that? Did you guys see that, you know, that aired on the feed? I was, well, all of us would have been watching here uh, in the Central and Eastern time zones. But when this aired on the West Coast, they actually removed the part where Hardy, like, threw the jar at at Sheamus on SmackDown. Yeah, I saw that. And they they really accentuated it, though, on the uh, pregame show. It's pretty, like, mind-blowing, though, that for something that was pre-taped, 
that that had to happen. You know, like they didn't foresee, apparently, the blowback that they were going to get segment. I didn't hate that, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. I thought it was pretty bad. But, I mean, the feud overall, like this match was just your typical TV match. Very bland. And, by the way, se- uh, second longest match on the show. Nearly 17 minutes. Way too long. Yeah. Uh Seamus gets the win after two road kicks. Uh, yeah, not a lot more to say about this one. Anyone have anything to add? Yeah, I tweeted this. I give a big thumbs down to whoever laid out the match. It didn't fit the storyline at all. You had a baby face going for revenge, and instead he just basically gets beat down the whole match. He does get a bit of a comeback, but then he loses clean. <laughs> then just lose, he loses clean. And this used um, to be a like baby a- face promotion. Yeah, just that. like his piss, clean, I guess. Uh, I did buy a couple of Veneer Falls, uh, but I was kind of shocked. Sheamus won. Match went too long. Um, this is another instance of guys at their peak 10 or more years ago. This would have been a great match in 2010, probably. And as far as the storyline goes, we've seen it before with Jeff against like CM Punk. And that was in 2009. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one last thing. I don't think I want to see either of these guys progress up the card, which is an issue. When you have two guys, it's like, well, so of course someone's going to win, but I don't want to see either of these guys move near the top of the card. I think Seamus should have won by, like, he should have been reaching in his trunks like he was going to grab some brass knuckles, but then he, like, threw a handful of urine in <laughs> Jeff Hardy's face. <laughs> he should have done something except win clean. And then, you know, so the announcers say, what what now from Jeff Hardy? He should be so ashamed of himself. What a shit way to book a baby face. <laughs> well, Justin, as someone who's going through potty training, I hope you don't have any jars of piss coming your way anytime soon. I hope your son can <laughs> avoid throwing throwing stuff like that at you. So we'll see. It's gonna be a long week. Yes. <laughs> and the show that opened the pay-per-view proper, there was a sh- there was a match on the pre-show, which we'll briefly mention here in a second. But the triple threat uh, tag team match for the women's tag team titles, Bailey, Sasha Banks defending against Bliss and Cross and the Iconics. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really good. I was, you know, I thought the Iconics coming back here recently, they've put in some work. I thought that they looked very good in the ring. I thought there was a lot of creative stuff throughout this match with what they did with the near falls, the, you know, like the triple threat moves. There was a point early in the match. I tweeted this out. I think it was Alexa, Sasha, and Peyton. They did like this series of like near fall roll-ups. It was really, really creative. Um, but overall, I mean, I don't think anyone saw a title change happening here, but I came away just very impressed with the Iconics and... Uh, I think when you look at this match, this is what, you know, people that really wanted to see a women's tag team division with championship belts in the WWE, I think I think this is what they had envisioned for it being really really good stuff. And uh again, this is why I was maybe a little higher than Kyle early in the show because I think, you know, this was a really good match. I didn't like Sheamus and Hardy, but I liked Asuka and Nia Jax. So it, through the first 3 matches, I was I was fairly high on the show. I thought this was really really good stuff. Yeah, pretty generous as far as I'm concerned. Um, <laughs> I thought everyone worked hard here, but it was choreographed at times. It came across as too choreographed and sloppy in others. It was okay. Um, Sasha and Bailey clearly need to be the tag team champions for a while. They're a tremendous act. I know everyone wants to see the breakup and have them do a one-on-one match. But as a team, they're a tremendous act. And in a promotion that doesn't have a lot of great top-tier acts, uh, they should value the ones they have. And I think Sasha and Bayley um, are a great act. Yeah. Um, you know, when they lost the tag titles last year, those belts basically went right down the pooper. I... And now they've got them again, and they seem more prestigious. So apologize to Sasha Banks, everybody. She was right <laughs> when she complained. I mean, I, th- I think the team of Bliss and Cross has been good. Uh, I think people were surprised at the title change on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not quite sure where you go with that team right now. But I do hope that we see a feud, like a longer feud between Bailey and Sasha and the Iconics. Because Sasha and Peyton have really good chemistry in the ring together. I, I really noted that watching this match that those two in particular, like they, they, these two teams can produce some pretty good matches. So I hope that that's the direction they go moving forward. 
Well, here's an issue. You don't have a lot of ready-made teams to challenge for these titles, right? Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be doing triple threats because you're going through two matches at once. Like, Bailey and Sasha should feud with the Iconics individually, and they should feud with Cross and Bliss individually. Yeah. Like, doing a three-way, mm-hmm. I think, is really counterproductive to this division. And, of course, counterproductive is also Charlotte Flair getting her hand raised over two of the teams in these this match on Monday. <laughs> Have I mentioned that Ross sucked on Monday? It's Maybe. almost like someone got their walking papers after that show. <laughs> I mean, what, what happens tomorrow night might dictate it a little bit, but I think you guys are getting a preview of what our show Thursday morning uh, that, you, that hit your feeds might be like. We'll see. Kyle, do you have something else to add? No, I mean, but other, I mean, I'll just say this. I know that Bailey and Sasha had an NXT on Wednesday to fight against uh, Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. But after that match, what do you have except teasing them to break up? And, you know, they were really heavy handed on commentary with the Bailey Sasha breakup stuff. So I figured they were not breaking up here because that's kind of what WWE does. They make their announcers sound incompetent. <laughs> so. I would say, you know, outside of Orton and Edge, the match that I was most looking forward to on this show, like when I looked at the card, which was only seven matches, and I thought, what would be the best match on the show? Apollo Crews and Andrade, and they put it on the pre-show. I didn't see it. Did either of you guys see this match? Because I I had not turned it on yet, and I thought, you know, outside of that main event, this was going to be the best match. It looks like, from what I'm seeing, they went a little over seven minutes, so we didn't get a ton of time, Uh, but... Apollo Crews retained the U.S. title over Andrade, but this is one I still have to watch because we're going on the air here right after Backlash went off the air. So I'm going to have to go back and watch the pre-show, it looks like. So unfortunately, this one did not make the main show proper. Uh, did either of you see this one? I did. Was it good? Yes, it was. Both guys worked hard and fast. Uh, I think Apollo going over here maybe a good sign for him moving forward because, you know, obviously Heyman's out of the picture now. You're having Bruce Pritchard taking over Raw. Obviously, Vince still calls the final shot. So I think Apollo Crews, it's going to be really interesting to see um, his plight moving forward. Is he a long-term U.S. champion? Do they have other ideas? Are they not as, is Bruce not as high on him? Uh, him going over here seems like a positive sign for that plight. Uh, Kevin Owens was on commentary in this match. He was entertaining. And I assume they are building to an eventual Andrade uh, Garza split Mm -hmm. because they've been, they've been, that's another, you know, team split. They've been teasing. One other thing about this match, Cruz and Andrade, as far as the men's side goes, this was the exception to the rule of older talent being featured on the show. Yeah, but you know they were on, put on the pre-show, so I guess they weren't. You know, they kind of minimized it a little bit. So um, I don't know. I think too much old talent and weekly TV that wasn't that good. Um, you know, w- when you have that, it's not a good recipe, in my opinion, for a wrestling promotion. They were able to overachieve a very low bar for backlash. I think the only two matches really to go out of your way to watch were the main event and then the. McIntyre Lashley match, but um, we shall see. Uh, Bruce Richard, the ball's in your court. You're blowing it out of proportion. WCW had the same problem, and they turned off. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Pritchard, you mentioned it, Kyle. So that that's something we might explore on the show on uh, that will hit podcast feeds Thursday morning, and that's the fact that Paul Heyman has had power removed. He is no longer the head of Raw Creative. Bruce Pritchard basically overseeing both Raw and SmackDown. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what happens on Monday night and perhaps even a little AEW on on Wednesday and NXT. We'll see what happens in the coming days, but uh, we'll be bringing you episode 151 Thursday morning as we always do. And take this for what it's worth, folks. I've been told, look out for something on Monday night. Wrestling-wise, that is. On the (laughs) USA Network. Okay, so something big planned from creative at WWE, potentially tomorrow night. You heard it here first, guys. Check it out. With that said, that was our thoughts on WWE Backlash tonight. You can let us know what you thought of the show by sending us an email, topropenation at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on social media with all of the usernames I mentioned earlier on the show, at Top Rope Nation, on Twitter, on Instagram, and we're also on Facebook 
And something else we're trying new, I mentioned this on our last show that we did on Thursday, is I'm putting out a goal. We want to reach 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. When we do, I'm going to be giving away a Top Rope Nation prize pack on the show, which will consist of some Top Rope Nation gear, including a free t-shirt for whoever wins. But before we do that, we've got to get to 100 reviews. So if you have iTunes or you have an an iPhone, this is very easy. Open up the podcast app, search Top Rope Nation, scroll to the bottom of our page, and hit that five-star review. That's it. It'll take you less than a minute. When we get to 100 reviews, we will give away the prize pack here on Top Rope Nation. So if you have iTunes or if you have Apple Podcasts, go ahead and do that so we can give this away. would love to send out some free merchandise to all of you listening out there. So with all of that said, for Kyle Ross and Justin Joint, my name's Ryan Drosty. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Ryan Drosty. Kyle's at TRP Kyle. And Justin is at Justin Joint. We'll see you guys Thursday morning. Take care.